Hello, listener, and welcome to Switch It, the podcast that's always had the utmost respect for tailenders. It's time for England to face the chin music after their Monday meltdown helped put India 1-0 up in the Test Series. England are still winless this summer, and that sound you can hear is the shuffling of deck chairs with the squad announcement for the third Test. To sift through the discarded Panamas and pop champagne corks after a famous rout at Lords, I'm joined by ESPN Crick Info senior correspondent and resident Cassandra, George DeBell, and assistant editor Matt Roller, who at least had the hundred to distract him from the test mess. Hope you're both well, chaps. Uh, George, it's about time people started listening to your predictions, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> This was a this was a, a, a debacle foretold. Yes, uh, look, I think everyone knows uh, <laughs> that everyone can see the logic behind these grim predictions. I hope they're not always grim. Um, but at <laughs> and the people same do t- listen to them. I'm sure. Uh, that, you know, the other thing about the key thing is what priorities are, and the ECB really want to beat India. The ECB really want to have a good test team. But they really want a little bit more money, just a bit more. <laughs> That's the key thing. That's what it comes down to. So again and again, they take short-term decisions. And uh, I feel bad for people like Chris Silverwood and Joe Root, who I think are in impossible situations. I fear that Chris Silverwood will be fired in the next year. It won't matter who you bring in. You put Jesus in, in charge of that side. He is going <laughs> to struggle with the domestic schedule. And when you're calling up someone... <laughs> For a test team, but I'm not saying it's wrong. I think he's a good player, but he's had. Has he had one first class innings this year, David Milan? It was a I good mean, one. It was, it was a terrific one. <laughs> uh, but it is one innings this year, and it wasn't even that recently. Was it in June? Um, then I, I think it Maybe shows. Maybe even May. It, it, it shows that you're desperate, and also you're promoting Hasib Hamid on the back of what? <laughs> he got a first baller. Anyway, um, it's desperate. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a worn cliche, but that deck chair sort of Titanic thing isn't wrong. <laughs> uh, well, as you say, the bottom line is the bottom line. Um, Matt, you've you've been out to a few hundred games recently. Do you get the sense that the the new audience is is ready uh, and raring uh, to start fretting about England's Test fortunes anytime soon? <laughs> well, it's actually been. It, I found it it's quite surprising actually, just how little sort of. Um, cross promotional cross, uh, sort of uh, interaction there's been between the two in terms of coverage a lot of it has been quite strange um i think people have made the point that for example you know uh team accounts haven't really been posting about for example um moeen ali getting called up to the test squad um which you'd thought you'd think would be a big deal for um the birmingham team or whatever and i think ditto milan maybe you know i'm not sure whether trent rockets have been shouting about that on instagram but um yeah, I think um, I, I think people have um, I, I think people have turned on the hundred in the evenings for a bit of light relief after some of the uh, some of what they've seen over the past couple of weeks from uh, yeah. from England, particularly sort of Monday night. Um, yeah, following the uh, following the the debacle that it appeared to have turned into at Lords, um, especially on that yeah that morning session where uh, everything went right for half an hour and then everything went very very wrong. <laughs> for, for a lot more than half an hour. Um, there, there's quite a lot of cross-promotion cross from the tests. So every rain break, they show 100 games, and there's been a lot of rain breaks. Every, every, every interval, it seems, there's something about the 100, but it just it isn't reciprocated. Oh, I, which, oh, yeah. which I think just irritates people, to be honest. I, I, yeah. 
<laughs> I may be wrong. Well, I may be wrong. To be honest, on on that battle, I suspect it's over and the good guys lost. <laughs> oh well, another another cheery thought. Well, it um, does happen. I mean, if you look at <laughs> Afghanistan right now, you know there are bigger battles which have been lost. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but but things don't always turn out all right, and I suspect that's where we are. Oh God, you're right. I have a miserable git. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we won't get into to Afghanistan here, um, other than to say, you know, well done to Rashid Khan uh, for his uh, continuing to, to to hold up well in the face of. Um, a lot going on back home. Uh, the yes, the, the test team is 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 not in good shape. Uh, I, I suppose being able to um, cut straight over to the hundred at, at sort of um, seven pm every evening, rather than host the debate or the verdict or you know um, a, a, a another vehicle that would have been uh, had Bob Willis you know in, in full flow uh, over the last few weeks uh, arrest his soul um it's probably possibly been a good thing for sky although you'd think that the um dissecting the the agony is also uh, quite good watching but He'd have been um, box office wouldn't he <laughs> unacceptable <laughs> charles <laughs> we miss him for lots of reasons but yeah the the past the past week or so um let, let, let's get into uh, the guts of, of this Lord Sess, which was a memorable game, um, and uh, and we'll go down uh, in certainly um, in India's uh, test annals. Um, rarely has the rarefied air uh, crackled with such intensity as it did on that final afternoon at Lords. Um, India setting about trying to bowl England out inside sixty overs. Um, by that stage, George, I mean it seemed. A long, long time since England had turned up at the ground with a pretty good chance of winning. It did. I mean, that uh, final day it reminded me of a test. I think it might have been... Well, there was a couple at Lords. One in 1984, uh, Gordon Greenwich test. There was another one at Lords when David Gower was captain. And I'm sure it was against Australia. So could that have been 85? I don't know. Um, when... Um, uh, England sort of lost the plot in the field and and then found themselves uh, with a a, tr- a tricky uh, final innings. Um, they should have been able to bat out time, you know. I thought well, it was sixty overs, yeah, on mm. a pitch that was beginning to go up and down a little bit. But it is still Lords. It is still slow. Um, I, I, look, India bowled really well, but I thought that um, it shone a light on the fragility of England's batting, which is hardly a secret, uh, and. Eventually, you can't expect the miracle of Ben Stokes or Joe Root's incredible form and talent to mask all the deficiencies. And that's what we saw. We saw a very uh, determined, very skillful India side really grasp the opportunity <coughs> and make it look as if they planned the whole thing brilliantly. And obviously, there were moments on the fourth day where they were desperately struggling to keep their heads above water. I mean, it was a terrific test. But... Ultimately, if you bat as poorly as England, and pretty much no other test side in the world does bat as poorly as England, nice cat, by the way, um, <laughs> then, um, then uh, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, uh, and uh, ultimately, they, they have to find a way to fix that. And fixing that midway through a series with no fast cr- first pass cricket to play is going to be tremendously difficult, I fear. <laughs> uh, yes, and as you as you point out, India a very good side. Um, n- no shame in losing to them, but 
uh, Matt, the start of that final day, the expectation was if India were going to get out of the hole they appeared to be in, it was going to be Rishabh Pant who would do the job. Um, when England dismissed him, the the lead was 167, and uh, you know you could you could see uh, the a clear route to a, a middling chase um, until upstepped a couple of the more unlikely batting heroes. Uh, Possibly in the history of India's Test cricket, or possibly in the history of Test cricket altogether, um, in uh, Jasprit Bumrah and Mohammad Shami. Yeah, well, I, I saw that um, it, George was sort of stitched up on polite inquiries where um, one of the producers, Graham, asked him whether or not he'd said that this was one of India's worst ever tales. But I think it genuinely is one of India's worst ever tales. And I think <laughs> England thought it was as well because um, there was a point on, I think it was the fourth evening, uh, where they, were, they would have been, what, four wickets down. Uh, and Butler, you could hear on stump mic, said, we need two more wickets for Shami or two more for Shami boys or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Shami actually got demoted to number nine because of the fact that he, I think he got a second baller in the first innings. Uh, and yeah, then came out and him and Boomer put on whatever it was in no time at all. And um, yeah, made England look pretty, pretty silly. Um, and I think, you know, re- took responsibility for it afterwards with the, the plans and the fields that he set. And it seemed like... Um, the game completely got away from them, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty remarkable from India. I mean, I, I, I do much as it's tough to watch England um, collapse quite as badly as they did uh, on the final day. I do really enjoy watching this India team play. I think, especially, um, you know, I, I recognise that he might sort of rub some people up up the wrong way, but I think Mohammad Siraj is is brilliant. I, I, I don't think he's I don't think he'll ever be a sort of completely world class Test bowler, but he's really good. Um, and yeah, I, I sort of I really love all the the histrionics and him getting deeply involved with all of England's players and uh, shushing his imaginary critics and all that sort of thing. I think it's I think it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, I, I I did there there was a part of me that did quite enjoy the sort of the the wild celebrations on that final evening. I thought it was um, yeah good fun, good to watch. <laughs> he is, it was, uh, it, was so- it was box office, wasn't it? It was absolute. Uh, <clears throat> look, England allowed the emotion of the moment to get to them, uh, which mm. was odd because there were some quite experienced players in that side. Obviously, Jimmy Anderson had been roughed up by Bumrush earlier in the game, which I thought was completely legitimate, by the way. It's test cricket. It's not village green cricket. And, uh, he, you know, he, uh, Jimmy Anderson could look after himself. But then when Bumrush came out, they seemed to be more interested in hurting him, intimidating him having to go at him verbally, than knocking his stumps over. And that was, uh, you know, well done, Boomerang. He, he he got to them. And that is the whole point of that sort of, call it sledging, for want of a better word, to put people off their game. It's not necessarily just about um, venting. It, it can actually have a purpose. And it did put England off their game. And one of the key moments <coughs> was when Joe Root, who clearly had his mind slightly elsewhere, dropped a catch at slip off mowing. Um and I don't know how far into their partnership they were at that time. I, I would say a third or a half way in. So it could have made a big difference. Uh, and so there, there were all these familiar failings in a way. You know, England's poor batting, England's fallible fielding. But the difference was they lost control of the field. And that, honestly, you very, very rarely see from this England side. I wonder if it would have been different if Broad had been playing. I know that he's got a reputation for histrionics and emotion, but actually he's a terrifically experienced smart cricketer and I think he might have dragged them back the same with Stokes uh, and while Bumraj did bounce Anderson he also yorked him it's his yorker 
that he uses to get rid of the tail. And I don't think he could bowl the Yorker. And, and I don't know why, because, you know, Anderson can bowl them at will. <coughs> Wood has the pace to, to make it very effective when he does it. You know, I, just, I, I honestly think they let India get to them. And that is very, very intriguing. I fear, because it probably would have been 2-0 but for the weather, I fear that will be the tipping point for the series. And it could get real ugly now. But, you know, that's just because I'm this cheery, happy-go-lucky <laughs> kind of guy. <laughs> another, another prediction chalk it up uh-huh. folks uh, and <laughs> it's gonna get ugly yeah yeah chalk it up <laughs> well i mean i was saying don't, don't get mad get even or or in this case get one nil up i mean did england they've had their set twos um george particularly anderson in the past uh with india um and by and large, over recent years, um, it's been more good Jimmy uh, and less bad Jimmy. Uh, uh, mm. You know the, the the sledging and the um, uh, the yeah the, yeah, he's the, realized the gen- he d- he's, general grumpiness, shall we say? Well, he's realised he doesn't need it. Um, but who could blame him being a little bit grumpy? Because bowling is hard. I mean, physically, it's hard. So he came into that game obviously with this slight doubt about was it a calf? Quad, uh, quad, quad, I think. Right, um, right, okay, thank yeah. you. Yes, you're right. It was, had, a, um, had a scan, didn't he? And, uh, yes, but there was... So, a, he, so he came into age 39, back-to-back tests, little bit of an injury cloud there, and he still has to do all the work. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yet, however good he is, he finds himself doing it again a few hours later because his batters can't stay in. So I don't blame him being a little frustrated. And, of course, we know that they've dropped 22 or percent or something of the chances he's produced over the last few years. So I don't blame him for being a bit grumpy. But what <coughs> has happened since that um, incident in 2014, the, the Judeja incident that dragged on forever, Judeja Vu, as you might remember <laughs> it was called, um, he he has realised that he doesn't need that. He doesn't need that to get into a battle. He can just concentrate on his terrific skills and he can he's become ever meaner with the ball. You know, he just doesn't give runs away, does he? Um, so I would I would I wouldn't be too critical of him, but he did get dragged in, and the rest of the side did follow. I didn't think he bowled badly. Uh, he almost never does. I just don't think he was as smart as he sometimes is, and I haven't seen him lose it like that. But uh, uh, yeah, honestly, I'd say about seven years. Uh, you know, the the image of him being grumpy, fine, but the image of <laughs> of him chuntering and having to go, that's largely outdated. Yeah, it's so say it's not something something we've seen as much of. Um clearly well, I think there that were was words... a huge moment, yeah. That that two thousand fourteen incident mm, or non incident mm. at Trebridge. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think his career flashed before his eyes. That's not to suggest that he did anything. But uh it did get really there were lawyers involved. The ECB, though mm. they might want to deny it now, did suggest that they might take him out for a game or two. There mm. there were arguments but you know, it it could have become quite serious. And I think he reflected on that and he has thought... We have done an interview with him on this on video where he talked about it quite candidly, where he basically said something, you know, he had young kids, he wanted to be a great role model, and he also realised he didn't need it. He's very good, you know. (laughs) The talk is superfluous. Uh, And, yeah, he he will probably be very frustrated that for a little while there he allowed them to get him. But also, you know, let's give them some credit... Uh, Mohamed Sami, I think, Shami in particular, I thought actually batted quite well. You know, I thought his the way he took <clears> down <throat> Moeen was completely reasonable. Um, 
you know, it wasn't just luck and it wasn't just England falling apart. India was smart and India were better. And ultimately, that's going to come back to bite because India are the better side. Um, Matt, on, just on on the uh, the tactics there um, employed by England, uh, yeah, as we've sort of touched on a lot of short stuff uh, to Bumrah and Shami, um, you know, it didn't work as the partnership ended up being, I think, eighty nine uh, unbroken. Um, was there? Uh, I mean, Root admitted kind of uh, getting it wrong in, in terms of uh, overseeing all that, and and he didn't for instance, turn back to Anderson, who'd bowled a short spell early on. I mean, we did see Ollie Robinson effectively use um, a, a knuckleball to, to get rid of Ishant Sharma. Um, there were, a, a, I think, a Bumrah edged a, another slower ball that fell short. Um, Curran got one that sort of jumped off the shoulder of the bat and went uh, went over gully. But um, do you think maybe it's just reflective of of where the teams are in terms of experience and ability uh, uh, and and just sort of um, game management and nous that that England unraveled there and India kept their nerve um in you know when when they were sort of potentially staring at a defeat yeah i i was just thinking back actually to there was a not entirely dissimilar um situation i remember in towards the end of the south africa tour um at the start of 2020 where root was sort of you know it, obviously the game situation was very different but root was sort of kept on kept himself on trying to take a five for uh i think maharaj had him for 27 28 runs in and over um and it was a sort of similar situation where yeah, England were bowling to tailenders and, and they put on a, a sort of bizarrely big partnership um, that, you know, didn't end up mattering at all in the in the context of that test because England were a long way ahead, as I remember it. Um, but, it, you know, similar sort of signs of, I suppose, lack of ruthlessness. Um, and, I, you know, obviously it's, I think there, there's probably two different... Um, you know, I think it's very difficult to be overly critical of um, Root given the... Uh, you know the the immense burden he's been carrying, the the hand he's been dealt, uh, the fact that he's you know he scored um, three hundred and seventy, eighty something runs in the series, and almost no one else has managed even a hundred. Uh, I think it's very difficult to 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 be overly harsh on him, but equally, I think it was a, a it seemed like a pretty um, yeah, it just seemed like he lost his head to a certain extent as captain, and yeah, as George says, it's it's a bit of a surprise that given the the amount of Test match experience on that pitch. Um, that no one was a you know people like Bester have played seventy plus tests. Um, so the, the idea that no one sort of came over and had a quiet word and said, look, you know, Boomer averages three in Test cricket. Um, I'm pretty sure if we go full and straight, he's going to miss one pretty soon. Um, it, it is pretty extraordinary, really. Um, and I think you know it's um, it, it was one of those situations where I think uh, everyone watching out who, who wasn't involved in the heat of the battle. Um, had a pretty clear idea as to what England should be doing, but England themselves didn't seem to. Um, and in terms of, um, you know, whether Anderson needs to get in the battle these days, uh, George, but, uh, but Bumrah certainly seemed uh, stirred up by something that was said on uh, on that fifth morning. Uh, he'd obviously been the instigator, uh, if you will, with with the the, uh, the bouncers um, and the nobles on, on the third evening. But um, it didn't, didn't really need much for Virat Kohli to uh, fire his team up. Uh, you know, he is a 
player that uh, uh, that thrives on that sort of energy. He'd had a, a few words for Anderson on the uh, on the on the fourth day, I think. Um, the, the, the the stump mics might have picked up a, a little bit of swearing here and there. Coley referred to it again at the end of the day. I mean, India are are really up for this. Um, you know, yeah. if we if we were doubting it at all, uh, and yeah, now they're they winding up. Of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? Uh, I, I wouldn't. I'm not at all worried about anything that was said on the way, uh, on the pitch. Uh, and I think that Virat, if he was honest, is sort of using that. Um, I mean, he can't really suggest that they're the wronged party. They both sides went at each other, hammer and tong, and that's fine. I, I don't think any lines were crossed. Uh, in fact, I, I agree with that. Really, that it was really good fun to watch. Um, you wouldn't want to go any further. I agree. But it is test cricket. It is meant to be intense. And yeah, I thought it was really uh, fun. So so when um, Virat is saying, you know, how sort of dare they swear at me, it looked like they they did probably get the first punch in really with, with Anderson when he was out there on his own. And, you know, there are two two batters and 11 fielders. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. But I think that is where it probably started. But then maybe it started in 2014. I mean... You know these sides. Yeah, they have history. They're 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 proud, and India had a great opportunity to win last time they were here, and uh, they've got another great opportunity. And you suspect they're going to take it, but uh, I I don't think there was anything particularly untoward. And uh, yeah, it was a bit surprising to see Bumrah get involved like that, wasn't it? But uh, maybe it worked for him. I mean, yeah. the, the point being, not just it did seem to rattle England. That's what it comes back to again and again. Uh, so, uh, you know, they'll probably do it more, won't they? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Uh, it, it turned out pretty well for India. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think I've seen uh, Bumrah get that that animated um, before. But uh, Matt, he still retained the composure when when the uh, attempt to get ten wickets with was looking like getting getting a little bit stuck on on the Butler uh, Ollie Robinson partnership. Bumrah. Um, Pulled out around a the wicket, uh, off cutter, slower ball when the field was set for for chin music, um, which was pretty much perfection uh, to a batsman, a, a batter, you know, Robinson who knows which end to hold, but um, uh, and looked like he he might just do a job, but uh, but wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, I, I, again, Boomer is similar to Siraj is so much fun to watch he's I think um I think you actually forget about about um how wild he is when you're out of the con- context of a, of a game um I, I was actually I was there in the stands on the second day and just sort of watching mm. him running in and you know there's something pretty mesmerizing about it I don't think I can remember anyone with um such a sort of uh you know he looks when he runs in his action his his run-up I should say is like nothing you've ever seen in test cricket or for me personally at least um and yeah to to have the amount of skill that he does um to be as clever as he is and you know to have effectively been uh you know if you if you sort of read about his his background and his journey and how he actually got to the point where he's you know one of the arguably one of the best fast bowlers in in all formats in the world um i i think he's probably in that bracket at least now um and yeah, it's it's pretty pretty extraordinary when you think about you know um, him him pitching up to Mumbai Indians trials and John Wright taking a punt on him and all that sort of thing. It's yeah, it's 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 really sort of fairy tale stuff. So yeah, to, to then um, to then come up trumps in the yeah in the in the sort of uh, dying moments of that test, just as it, it seemed to be getting away from India to a certain extent, um, because it, there was a point when England um, put up a decent amount of resistance and. 
um, yeah, as you say, Robinson is a guy with a first-class 100 and I think his batting's improved a bit over the past couple of years. So, yeah, to come up with a, a real sort of moment of genius like that, you know, it was... Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's great. I, li- I really like this India team. It's probably coming across. I just think <laughs> they're, they're so much fun to watch and they're so good for the game as well because I think, um, you know, um, much as a lot of people aren't huge fans of Kohli's histrionics or whatever, I think he's, he's, he's brilliant. He, you know, makes you want to watch a, a period of test cricket that maybe otherwise would be slightly less interesting. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, well, he is the self-appointed uh, saviour, I think, of, <laughs> of Test cricket. Um, Boomer, of, of course, got out Root as well, which was which was probably the key wicket um, just after T. Uh, just just, just uh, compare compare Boomer's <clears throat> run up at uh, some stage on um, video to say Phil Tufnell's. It's incredible. <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah, it's yeah. certainly shorter than Derek Underwood's. Yeah. That, but anyway. That, He's so he's so sort of uh, light on his on the soles, isn't he? Just sort of like tip taps in, and then <laughs> hurls bumpers at your head if you're. Well, uh, it must be so hard to set up. Yeah. To, to to know what to expect. I mean, I think England are doing it quite well, actually. Uh, <coughs> they're, they're, <coughs> generally, they're playing him quite well. But uh, if you just imagine, uh, particularly when he actually his rhythm isn't completely right. Uh, and uh, like you quite often see with young fast bowlers, they maybe don't complete their action always. So one ball might come out at 90 miles an hour, and the next might come out at 80 miles an hour, and they don't mean to do it. And that actually means it's very hard to pick up. Uh, and there's a bit of that with him. His pace seems to vary. I mean, obviously he's doing that on purpose some of the time, but it does vary a lot from sort of 80 to 92. It was 92 his quickest? I think it might have been. Which is proper fast as well, isn't it? And then you combine all the skills as well, and he's got tremendous skills. It, it does, it creates a really, really compelling package, and I agree. He is unique. I've never seen anything like him. He looks like he's doing, he looks like he's doing sort of walking through his action, and then it comes out like that. <laughs> well, but as you say, England hadn't, done too bad a job at times um and and for the three days in the middle of this test um were actually uh, pretty decent i mean it, it, joe root won the toss um inserted india which at the end of day one two, 270 for three uh kl rahul with 100 it wasn't looking like the best of his calls um the conditions were encouraging for for swing and seam um but england didn't make the, the best of them perhaps uh but they came back well, uh, and then George. They, I mean, they got themselves a, a lead, and they reduced India to the to the point where, well, it needed something old fashioned from Pujara and Rahane uh, at first to to get them out of trouble. Um, I thought the the key thing was probably on the first day that you're right. England didn't bowl quite as well as they could have done, but I thought that partnership between Raul in particular, Rowett, was outstandingly good, <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, and they sort of gave a masterclass in how to bat in English conditions. So I think that actually set up the game. It was an opportunity. I don't, I, I, for what it's worth, I would have batted first, but I don't think it was at all unreasonable to, to go the other way. But once you do that, you don't want you know, your opposition openers getting, what was it, 80 and 100 apiece or whatever. Um, mm. So it obviously didn't work out, but I think you've got to be careful not to judge on the results. I, I, and I didn't think they bowled particularly badly either i thought robinson is you know a very inexperienced test bowler and he, and he had a tricky day his perhaps his toughest day with the ball so far but you've got to expect that it's going to happen sometimes so uh the main thing was i thought that india played really really well on that first day and actually that set up the game the, the other important and still contentious uh 
issue was the Pajara innings, and Rahani, but Pajara in particular, in the second innings. Now, he, he, looked, he was clearly struggling. Um, he, he didn't look in form. He was patting back half volleys. Uh, he, he faced a real struggle, but he didn't give it away. And I still think that that innings was terribly important. He can't have predicted exactly what was going to happen. Um, you know, so it would be silly to suggest that it was some sort of genius innings and he paced it brilliantly. Of course he didn't. <laughs> but he did keep their heads above water when they were almost drowning. And I, and you've got to remember that's such a big thing in test cricket. If you're not going to win, make sure you can't lose first and then build on that. And I still think that was a brilliant, valuable innings. And while test cricket is still played, there will always be room for those sorts of players. And he also may have played himself into a wee bit of form towards the back end of that innings, which may, may become relevant. But, you know, he, he, you're not saying he's player of the match or anything, but I do think that was a really, really important contribution. Uh, and it was tough and it was dogged and it was kind of grim. And couldn't have England. Could England have done with that sort of grim, dogged, tough contribution on the final day? Well, <laughs> it was it was a Dom Sibley innings, but with runs. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a key difference though, because Dom Sibley actually isn't staying in very long at the moment. If you uh, just on Dom, certainly Sibley, not two hundred balls. Because uh, uh, I'm kind of fa- I'm kind of a fan of Dom Sibley, and he looks mm. in between techniques to me. He's not particularly open. He's not particularly sideways on. But what is he? He looks to me like a man who's having different people in his ear and he doesn't know. Uh, I, I, I don't think you necessarily have to score particularly quickly, but you have to be able to score. And I don't know what his scoring areas are at the moment because he doesn't even look quite as good off his legs as he did. Mm. Yeah, um, he's got, got so caught he, in the mid-wicket twice yeah. in the series. He, look, the, the second is Nick <coughs> off. Good ball, eh? It's going to happen. Mm. He nicks off less than nearly any opener. Um, but yeah, I'll say again, he looks like he's a man between techniques who is confused by differing advice in his ear. Yes, and well, he's going to now get a chance to to go back to uh, to his county. Uh, not that they're playing much. Well, that'll be uh, useful, for, won't it? For, for, for a bit. He can go back. He can go home. He can't play cricket. <laughs> um, yes, the schedule isn't isn't uh, set up for this, is it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> As as I think we may have uh, touched upon, um, what will what will Dom Sibley do until August thirty first? Or uh, I mean, I guess go back to Gary Palmer, perhaps. Well, he, I I can tell you, he hasn't seen a lot of Gary Palmer in the last year or so. Mm. So you can draw your own conclusions there. I, I was going to say I'm it's actually because he's positive. in the England setup. Uh, <laughs> well, there's been a pandemic on. To be fair, mm. and uh, views about uh, Gary's worth are debated. I think Gary's. You know, I, I noticed Mike Atherton had a little pop at Gary on comms the other day, and he said, "You know, cricket is a sideways game. Those who don't think it is are wrong." Well, <laughs> I, I think that uh, experience has taught us, and I'm sure Athers would agree that uh, there isn't a one-size-fits-all methodology. Uh, we have been shown that many times. Uh, there are lots of chest-on bowlers. There have been lots of uh, batters who had odd trigger movements that got themselves into a position in which they were comfortable. And I still think that planting that front leg sideways on is dangerous. Uh, So I think Gary Palmer has something. I can tell you that Dom Sibley's seen him twice in 12 months. I know that. Um, Not saying he's necessarily the answer, 
but I think you need to have clarity about what you're trying to do. You just don't want to be confused. And if mm. he needs to move on from Gary, well, fair play. It's his career and he he, he would know best. But if he has a, a little bit of one technique and a little bit of another and they're conflicting and he's a bit confused, that will hurt. Uh, and I think it will be a long way back for him. I mean, he really earned that opportunity to play. I, I, mm. do, do you remember how many runs he scored in, in county cricket? It was, you know, just relentless. Mm. Uh, so he and Rory Burns definitely earned their opportunity. But, you know, as someone who is a fan of his work, I, I can't complain that he's been dropped. Mm. It's not just that he's not scoring any runs. He doesn't look as if he's going to score any runs. So he's got to go back and find a way. But it's going to be real hard to find a way to get selected for the Ashes, say, in, what is it, four championship games when you may be reeling from disappointment and, and uh, not sure where your technique is. So, you know, that's one to be watched. But uh, with the chaos that is uh, the England side at the moment, anything could happen. <laughs> yes, four championship games in, in September. Um I don't know if he's going he's, he's not going to face Darren Stevens is he but yeah uh, good good luck to um, no, good luck to Dom um I think that Athers comment uh, possibly came after a Joe Root cover drive, which was sort of a, uh, he referenced T- Ted Dexter talking about the last the, the classical sideways on batters. Um, Matt, I won't I won't ask you to go down um, the the, uh, the garden path with um, Lord Ted, but um, Joe Root had had a uh, magnificent test um aside from the captaincy on that fifth morning um he is in um well he's in purple form he's he's having to uh, to do the job of several uh, batters at the moment um I, I think he's got uh several hundred more runs than anyone else in the England top order this year um 180 not out this time around um he would have kept going into day four probably had had Anderson managed to survive um to the close he passed 9,000 test runs on the way um I can't remember if he passed Graham Gooch as well in this innings or or, or not it's uh, it was a he long has, old he has passed Gooch, it, yeah. it's happened yes yeah <laughs> I mean he he has been uh batting for a long time it feels uh this summer already um and uh yeah England would be in uh, in a real fix without him yeah, you sort of run out of superlatives, really, for Root. I think um, the, the contrast between him and everyone else in the side is um, is stark, and I think that's been made very, very clear over over the last year. I think um, it's extremely impressive that, given the hand he's been dealt, and I think you know, I think um, George has mentioned this in his pieces as well. The, the fact that he's sort of clearly under a bit of um, well, clearly under a lot of strain, given the, the state that his team's in, he's missing. Um, he's missing Stokes. He's missing Wokes. He's missing Broad for this test. Um, he's missing Archer. He's probably his trump card. Um, he, he's, you know, he, he he's been moving his uh, pre-match presses forward by twenty-four hours, which means that he, you know, has a, a full day to focus on the game itself rather than the outside noise. Um, and it, you know, he seems to be. Um, just completely in control of everything that's happening. I think he, the uh, I think I saw a point. I can't remember who made it that the lockdowns might have served him quite well, which I thought was quite um, an interesting one. I think he, um, especially sort of over the winter, seems to have changed his technique a little bit, where he's um, sort of opened up slightly more. Um, I think he's playing with a slightly more open face, which seems to be um, yeah, seems to have worked wonders. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't I can't remember a single time that an England 
batter has looked, um, you know, so utterly dominant in a way that none of his teammates have. I think, you know, if you look at the the numbers for the series, Bairstow's England's second highest run scorer with 118 in four innings uh, and, you know, Root's 386, um, <laughs> which is just pre- pretty remarkable, really. And, uh, yeah, Bairstow's the only other batter averaging above 20. Um, so, yeah, as, as we've said many times, England would be completely screwed without him. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just as well that he's in career best form because otherwise it could be could could have been uh, even uglier than it already has been this summer um but yeah it's a, it's a very difficult one for him and uh, you know i i think uh that this, this you know inevitably when you're in this sort of purple patch there will come a point where it stops for one reason or another um <laughs> just because there's a, you know cricket's a game where you you fail more often than you succeed um and that that's pretty worrying for um, <laughs> yeah. for, for england and in the state that they're currently in and um quite worrying for root as well i suppose um it, you know it probably won't be occupying his thoughts at the moment but um he will know that once he stops scoring runs and that there will be a couple of times where he gets a good one early and nicks off um that yeah he's in he's looking down the list of players to come beneath him and thinking you know what chance have we got here <laughs> you've been to sound uh, more like george by the uh, by the hour <laughs> here at <laughs> <laughs> Matt, well, currently Root is still in um, sort of career best form, so um, fingers crossed for the rest of the the series. Uh, he's got fortunately five... for Matt, it will take a thousand years before he looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not it's quite what following so... England does to you. <laughs> the, the weathering process has got a way to go. Um, <clears throat> but well, so on on the subject of what England can. Um, and must uh, try to do anyway uh, f- for the rest of the series. I mean, uh, George, we've touched upon the squad changes uh, for Headingley, uh, Dom Sibley, Zach Crawley's gone back to to Kent as well, and uh, David Malan is uh, is the coming man again. Um, he yeah, w- one innings this summer for Yorkshire, 199, uh, a, a decent knock. <laughs> he's in he's in great Red Bull form on that evidence. Um, and he has succeeded almost in the face of um, uh, a hail of criticism at times uh, in in the shorter formats. He's the number one ranked T uh, Twenty batsman. I'm not looking at you there, Matt. Um, <laughs> but um, it does say plenty about uh, the dearth of options uh, for England that they're going back to a man who averages 27, 28 in Test cricket um, and was dropped summarily three years ago during India's last tour. Yes, although I wouldn't want to um, be too critical of David Milan because I think he is a good player and I think he's a player who's matured throughout his career, really knows his game and he's, you know, he sort of bats like Ed, late career Ed Joyce now and that's pretty high praise. So uh, I feel it's a completely decent, reasonable <coughs> signing. Look, I'm a bit sorry they've let Zach Crawley go. It's very, look, we're not, in the um, training in the way that we were previously. So you can't talk to people mm. as we could pre-pandemic. So uh, I don't know how Zach Crawley is really, but I think he's good enough to make it. And I would have stuck with him. I saw signs of improvement. But you see, I, I don't know. David Milan was dropped, if you remember, because he looked sort of rattled. It had got to him. I think he was starting to drop some catches as well, as me- if memory mm. serves. And they made a decision that he sort of he he mentally needed a break, and that's fine. And that's why it's relevant that he has performed 
on the international stage. You know, it's not just irrelevant to say, oh, T20 is a completely different game, which of course it is. You know, white ball hardly moves and all the rest of it. But he has, to some extent, delivered under pressure when everyone doubted him or when he was doubted. And when he had, he had to take opportunities. Let's remember, he's keeping Joe Root out of the England's T20 side. I mean, Paul. Um, so it's um, completely... I don't think it's a desperate selection, I guess, is what I want to say. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if he makes a go of it. I think he's at that stage of his career where he's uh, tough and knows his game and determined. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a fine selection. Um, and you think when, he'll, he'll slot he's in gi- at number three? Yeah, yeah, I do. But whether he's got give, been given every opportunity to, to thrive, you know, with, the, <laughs> with very little cricket and all the rest of it, I don't know. I hope there's no nonsense about his intense character or anything like that. You know, the sort of rubbish we hear about players every so often. Um, England are very good and they need the best players possible. And if sometimes they don't necessarily want to go bivouacking with them at the weekend, you know, just grow up and be professional. eh? So uh, I hope there's no nonsense about that. One other thing I thought was interesting. I thought on the quiet, Moeen had quite a good return. I thought he bowled really well despite the slapping around from at the end there. And I thought he fielded really well, and I thought he shaped up quite well with the bat in both innings. So I I feel bad for Jack Leach. I mean, who who doesn't? Um, But actually, the team looked a little bit better balanced with him. And if they could have found a way to get Chris Wokes in there as well, that may have mm. uh, given a little bit more uh, stability and, uh, and, and balance. You know, Sam Curran was probably a bit unlucky with the bat, um, probably. Uh, the, but the first it, king pair in the history of Lords. Uh, in a yeah, but that's that's a that's a horrid record, isn't it? Um, but you know, he did get Virat out. <coughs> I, I, I'm more, I'm worried about his bowling than his batting, to be honest, because mm-hmm. uh, it's looked a little bit innocuous at times, and I'm mm. not sure that sort of slow wobbly swing is what England are short of. You know, that's something they have mm. kind of covered. So uh, um, there, there are some questions to answer there, but I can see why they've stuck with him because he does potentially offer a bit of, um, you know, that balance option and Chris Wokes wasn't available. Had Wokes been available, I suspect mm. he would have replaced him and he would have been a stronger bowling option. Uh, he probably is a stronger batting option too, actually. So uh, I, I thought there were, there were some signs of uh, encouragement. You know, it, that's a test that England probably should have won. So, so let's not, you know go overboard on, on, on the criticism. But uh, I, I just, um, yeah, as I say, you get the impression that you get to tipping point. And I'm not exactly sure where the runs are coming from. Johnny, Johnny Bairstow looks quite good. Roy Burns played well in the first innings. I think they're right to stick with him. Um, they could do with some runs from Josh Butler, couldn't they? Yes, he saw off a lot of balls in that final innings. But um, it's, uh, it's... Well, did he? Enough. How many? Ninety six in the end because we were counting up to uh, to a hundred, uh, which was going to be dub- dubbed uh, the Joss Ton, I think, because um, it was a sixty over battle. Yeah, you know, a, test, yeah. a test side really should be able to bat sixty overs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. So obviously they're missing Stokes, um, but you, you know you just can't rely on these things all the time. You can't use mm. them as excuses. Teams miss players all all the time, don't they? Yeah, and well, so uh, the, one of the uh, the sticking plasters, Matt, it, it seems for this next test will be Asip Hamid moving up to Open. Uh, I mean, you've written a bit about his kind of journey over the last yeah. few years. 
the latest chapter was uh, arguably a bit on the grisly side. Um, a golden duck in, in this long-awaited comeback, essentially missing a straight half volley that uh, didn't deviate at all. Um he hung around a bit in the second innings. He avoided uh, the, the threat of the King pair, which eventually got um, got Sam Curran later in the day. But um, he hang around for a bit before getting a, a, a pretty good ball from Ishan Sharma. But but nine off forty three or something was um, uh, again in, inadequate for the for the uh, needs of the hour. Um, but next next match, uh, Hass, you're going to be uh, pushed up to open. I, I suppose that is his that is his position, um, and I think his first class record at opener is better, uh, significantly better than at number three. But um, I mean, it's it's not ideal prep, is it? Yeah, I, I, I feel pretty sorry for Hamid in a way. Um, it, you know, I don't want to sound all sort of patronising or whatever, but I, I think just having. If you if you look at the runs that he scored this year, um, much as obviously he com- comes into the series having um, it's scored a ton against this an Indian bowling attack, um, but before that, I think I think all three of his hundreds were against a pretty average Worcestershire side um, in the championship this summer, um, and yeah, I don't know. I think there there would definitely have been. I think I think the fact that England have thrown him in is probably reflective of the fact they're fairly desperate. Um, because I think in an ideal world, and I think I think they would probably admit it. I think in an ideal world, they would have left him alone for the whole of this year. Um, you know, not even really thought about calling him up, even as cover, um, and would have let him have a really good county season. Um, and kept him away from the spotlight and all that sort of thing. I think that I saw uh, during the second innings when he was walking out on a king pair that apparently his, you know, his first ball was flashed up on on the replays on the uh, on the big screens at Lords, which is, you know, uh, what the things that must be going through his mind. Uh, Justin Langer wouldn't like that, out. would he? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I do feel pretty sorry for Hamid. I think it, that one of the interesting things, actually, I, th- I agree with George that Milan's, a, a, I think, a pretty good pragmatic selection. Um, I, I think he's quite an Australian-style selection, I would say, in, in not too dissimilar to someone like a Voges or a Rogers um, over the past decade or so who have uh, come in. I think Milan's 33, so I think they know that he's not necessarily going to be a you know the guy that plays for 10 years, but I think they they are looking at him as someone who could quite possibly play the next three tests and then the Ashes. Um, and I think that's, that's not necessarily the worst way to go about selection, especially with a generation of players that, um, you know, they've invested a lot of time and, and money in through central contracts. If you think about people like Pope and Crawley and uh, Sibley. Uh, but I think the interesting thing looking at the squad actually for me was that um, there's there's almost a, a missing generation of of batters for England because you have Burns, Root, Bairstow, Milan, Butler who are all thirty or older. And then you have Pope, Lawrence, Hamid who are twenty three or twenty four, and then there's a missing generation I think of guys like, um, for example, Joe Clark, Livingston, Nick Gubbins, Ben Duckett, all of whom started their first class county careers very well. Um, all of all of whom scored a lot of hundreds, by the way, because I think Clark had something like twelve first class hundreds for Worcestershire, and he left them in twenty eighteen when he would have been twenty two or twenty three. Duckett similar scored, I think twelve or thirteen hundreds for Northants before he left them, uh, and hasn't you know definitely hasn't been as prolific in the years since. And I think with all of those guys, there's there's this, um, you know that that's the age that you you'd kind of ideally have batters coming into the team on the on the back of 
really good runs in county cricket where they've been consistent over a number of years um sort of around the same age burns was when he came back into when he came into the side for the first time um and none of those guys have for whatever reason and i think all their cases are pretty different and there's there's probably a lot more people that fall into the same age bracket i think a lot of those guys for you know either due to the the lure of playing white ball cricket um both internationally and for franchises or because something that you know there must have i think there are a couple of poor lions tours but it clearly the lions program didn't didn't serve the role that it was meant to at the time when those guys were regulars on those tours um but for whatever reason there's there's no one between the ages of 24 and 30 in the squad which you know i think when you sort of step back and look at that i think that that shows you that something has gone gone pretty wrong yeah, that's a very, uh, very interesting point. That um, really is. On- it really is. I, 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 I think that's all that needs to be thought about. I think there was a culturally a problem. Go back a few years. You know, last Ashes tour, the the, the, the very minor Duckett incident. Which Ben Duckett was on? I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he sort of was. Yeah. Uh, and, yes. Or he appeared. Um, he had a, a minor walk-on role. <laughs> yeah. In a bar. <laughs> Well, kind of, yeah, I think it would probably either the, the, I think the incident was exaggerated even beyond what it was. Mm. But of course, it came after the Johnny Besto headbutt nonsense, which was mm. also exaggerated. The point being that it did shine a light on the fact that some of those guys were up to a point behaving as if they were on a stagnate a lot. I, I suppose the Ben Stokes thing brought it into perspective, didn't it? Uh, after the Andy Flower years <coughs> uh, in particular, England wanted to let the players off the leash a bit. They they were worried about the mental health aspects that that we're seeing now, actually, uh, of people being in their hotel rooms, have been too intense and all the rest of it. So they went the other way with it. They got Trevor in, uh, mm. Trevor Bayliss, <laughs> just sort of spread out, boys, enjoy yourselves, uh, <laughs> and get on with it. And, and Trevor used to go to bed early and had no idea what was going on. And, and, and they are, you know, uh, fit, affluent young guys who who like a night out uh, as much as you know. Uh, nothing wrong with that. And maybe the balance went too far the other way. And then, uh, and and quite a lot of those, the most talented young players, the, the, the batters in that batters in particular in that um, age group, are probably. Uh, been held back by things which have happened off the field. I think that's fair to say, without going into details. I mean, Joe Clark would be a really good example of someone who I think actually has been very unlucky. I think he's a crazy talent. I think he should be in the T20 side now, genuinely. In fact, probably agree with Heavy here. I'd, I'd have him in ahead of Milan. <laughs> so um, and I, I don't know that I actually mean that, but I, I would I, I would have him in the T20 side. I think he's um, I think he's a special talent. Um, and, and maybe that sort of um, uh, that adjustment and the sense that some of these guys are a little bit untouchable and sort of need to prove themselves is um, uh, is part of the issue. Uh, ben Duckett would be another example of someone who seems to me to have matured. He's had quite a good hundred, actually, on the quiet. Um, and actually, he finished last season pretty well as well. So, I, I you know, we have to allow people to change and mature. Uh, and I, I hope that that has happened. I mean, there, there when you say no one between 24 and 30, do you mean... Batters, you mean batters? Yeah, 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 batters, yeah. Okay. It is very interesting, and I think there's a, there's an element that, that we have struggled to get the balance right in county cricket, Lions cricket, England cricket, between mm. what is acceptable on and off the field. And there's quite a few people not playing for England. I guess you could include Alex Hales, maybe <clears throat> even Gary Balance, people who are not playing for England for stuff that uh, isn't entirely due to how many runs they might score. 
Yeah. Um, well, that's one we'll come back to, uh, I'm sure. Um, it's one to think about, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> a nice chewy talking point. Um, George, uh, before before we uh, before we move on, the Headingley test. There is a little bit of a, a gap here. Um, for uh, finals weekend of the 100, uh, which we've all got marked in our calendars, uh, and for the final of the Royal London Cup, which is uh, going to start quite soon. Imminently, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, um, uh, which we are all very keen to sit down uh, and watch, I'm sure. But um, uh, changes um, other than uh, Dom Sibley and uh, out and David Milan in and so on. I mean, uh, Anderson will have a little bit of time to put his feet up. Curran, there might be a little bit of a question mark about as you've touched on. Um, Saki Mahmood is is retained in the squad. I mean, do you, uh, do you foresee uh, much of a shift in the bowling? Moeen, I think, as you say, did did a good job there and um, Wood might not be fit. So, well, Wood, that, the that's the key question, yeah. isn't it? That's the key question. You can't take a chance on Wood. <clears throat> Um, particularly with the issues we've got with Ollie Stone and Joffre Archer, you can't take a chance on Wood. Mm-hmm. So I guess he doesn't play, which is a shame. They, I know that they said yesterday he would. I, look I, again, this comes down to not being at nets and training. I don't mm-hmm. know, mm. but you would hope that he has um, uh, had a couple of days rest and maybe it's he's recovered. But I, uh, he can't take a chance, and that's a huge loss. Uh, I don't know what the pitch is going to be like, to be fair. I thought Lords was really f- quite slow and flat and didn't suit him at all, and yet he was still good. Mm. So I-, I thought he actually had a pretty good game, despite the way it ended. So um, uh, the the guy who has been under the radar a bit is Craig Overton. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. Whether he is, go- you know, he can bat a bit as well. I think England have lost every test he's played, and yet he's impressed in nearly all of them. If you was his last test the old Trafford Ashes test, right? I think so. I think so Where, yeah, it's a pretty he... grim memory in lots of ways. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, with Australia taking the Ashes, and um, yeah, I mean there was a, a, a Leach's Steve no Smith ball. scored a, yeah thousands well, of Le- runs. Didn't Leach's no ball. <laughs> yeah, which um, you know still hurts. If I'm honest, it does. It still hurts. It's like that Andy Bickle partnership in Port Elizabeth at the World Cup. Anyway, um, it's always going to hurt. Um, so the... I, I would quite like Craig to get a go. Now, is he absolutely test class? Don't know. I mean, the times we've seen him, he, he's a, he's certainly a good bowler. Uh, it may be that he's been that that uh, Sakiba's leapt in front of him. And I can see that Saqib has a couple of things which he doesn't. He's a bit quicker. Don't don't expect Saqib to replace Wood, though, eh? He's not that mm. quick. Um, but actually, for I, you see, I, I like to reward people for good county work. But, you know, you look at Sibley right now and you can say, well, that's a silly policy. But Craig has done what he was asked to do, is go back to county cricket, improve, become more consistent, add a wee bit of pace, become relentless. And I actually think that he could do a job, not the ideal job, but a job in Australia. Look, those fast bowlers, they've gone. That's not happening. That plan A is gone. <laughs> uh, you could either play spinners uh, and Leach and Moen and hope that, you know, I think that's a long shot too. Or maybe someone like Craig comes in and bowls 25 overs a day, goes for 50, and they they just play mean, old-fashioned Bedser-esque cricket because that's the card that they've got. I don't think that's that ridiculous a ploy, uh, ploy actually. Well, I, remember I, I, that Overton and Robinson were, were sort of the, the spearheads of that success in right. the 
on the Lions tour. Um, and I think that was, you know, e- even back then, I think that was part of the thinking was that one of them might be able to do a job as George says on, on that sort of pitch. They're not that dissimilar as bowlers. They're both tall, get your bounce from a length without being sort of expressed 90 mile an hour pace. So yeah, I think that, I think there's definitely something in that. Uh, and they can both battle a wee bit. So yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that Lions thing, which I was just going to, it kind of was built on big runs. So that's the problem with this tactic. <laughs> you can only apply pressure. A lot of the very, problems very... with England's uh, yeah, well, it does. It all comes at the moment. Uh, in the end, you're going to have to do with a few more runs. runs. <laughs> but but you can only it only really works to bowl dry and apply pressure and frustrate batters in that way if you've got a target to defend. So that is a, a humdinger of a problem. But um, Craig has been there or thereabouts for quite a long time, like Leach, uh, and I do think he's got something to offer. Um, so I, I, I kind of have a bit of a soft spot and hope. But, well, he's a Somerset boy, you know. Of course I do. Kind of <laughs> hope he plays. But um, you know, uh, Sakib also Sakib's Red Bull record is, you know, I mean that's a that's a a game in development. Mm. Yeah, he, you know, hasn't always played that much Red Bull cricket. So he he he's still learning his way, learning his trade. I don't know. It all depends on whether Wood is fit. But uh, Robinson looks to be here to stay. That's encouraging, isn't it? Uh, Anderson plays if he's fit. Moeen came in, did a job. So, you know, it is sort of piecing together. Yeah, we just need uh, a, a lot of gaffer tape and uh, fingers crossed. Um, away then from the unremitting misery of the test team, <laughs> at least we have the uh, happy, happy, joy, joy world of the 100 to sustain spirits. Unless you're London Spirit, who finished bottom in the men's comp and saw their women miss out on the knockouts on net run rate. Shane um, Warne's had a trip, hasn't he? <laughs> has he he's out, had COVID. Is he out of isolation yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's had COVID and, um, yeah, he's had as many terrible that- viruses as victories, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's that's how they chalk it up in the column. Um, <laughs> yes, um, well, we hope Warney's all right. Um, Matt, it's, it's it's all about um, Brum and Brave uh, as we approach the, the last four matches of the tournament. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think many had Birmingham Phoenix down as as the favourites for the men's competition uh, heading into it, but they've they've been really fun again to watch um, as much as anything. I think um, they've they've been sort of ultra ultra attacking with the bat. Um, they've they've uh, you know uh, put faith in a couple of young players in Will Smead and Chris Benjamin in particular, um, and yeah, Liam Livingston has been been relentlessly. Uh, successful as he has been throughout the summer. Um, it, I think that that innings of ninety two on um, which night, wh- whichever night it would have been, Tuesday night, um, <laughs> Tuesday, was it was was probably one of the moments of the competition um, so far. I think um, you know it, it clearly clearly meant a lot to him as well. He celebrated it pretty wildly, and um, it, he, he had one line in his uh, sort of post match interview where he was saying that he, you know uh, the Phoenix had proved a lot of people wrong in in the hundred, and I, I thought. I don't think that many people were making confident predictions that they were bottom of the pack or anything along those lines. But yeah, they've been they've been really good fun. They've had Adam Milne, who's been um, it, really good. I can't really quite believe that he's um, only a reserve for New Zealand in the T Twenty World Cup. I think he's a he's a brilliant bowler, especially at the death. You saw him um, bowl ten on the ten on the on the reel um, in that game and do brilliantly. Um, and then Tahir has been good fun as usual and Benny Howe's been um, done you know exactly what he used to do in the blast and what he has done in the blast for the best part of a decade and just been uh, proved almost impossible to hit despite the fact that no one's 100% sure quite what he does um, 
but yeah, they, they've been they've been great, um, and I think probably deserving finalists. Um, and then yeah, in the women's competition, Southern Brave have been really good as well. Um, I was on the, the there was a little bit of a preview this morning to their um, final because they're obviously straight through at Lords on uh, at the weekend. And I think a lot of their success has been down to Charlotte Edwards building a really really good squad. Um, she um she she sort of made a point of recruiting Sophia Dunkley um i think the best part of 2 years ago now so before she'd had this um amazing breakthrough summer in international <clears throat> cricket um and yeah dunkley's been brilliant um they have a really good core of domestic players as well people like Maya Bouchier um who's been coming in at 5 and whacking it and then Lauren Bell who's i think 20 and looks like a really um sort of high potential seamer for England in the years to come uh, they've had some contributions from their overseas players. Amanda Jade Wellington's bowled really well with her leg breaks. Um, and yeah, they look a really good team as well. So yeah, I think, um, you know, those two are obviously the favourites haven't got straight through to the final. But um, yeah, it, it's quite it's quite an interesting knockout system, I suppose, the second place, third. And then you play again the sort of 24 hours later. I don't know whether or not you, I suppose, you, you know, you'd definitely rather be the team that's straight into the final. But, um, you know, I, you can definitely see how a team would get on a roll having, having done well on Friday night and then, carry that into Saturday um but yeah it sh- should be interesting I'm yeah um looking forward to it as much because I might get my uh my weekday evenings back uh <laughs> as of as of Sunday <laughs> uh yes it has it has felt like a long time that the hundred's been in our lives in that respect um I mean George just, just, the, just, the, let, let me ask let me ask Matt something Liam Livingston as as a pick in the draft am I right in thinking Birmingham Felix were last or second last with a, their pick in the draft yeah, so they were they were eighth in the first round, right? Um, and, and I reckon they went for Livingston to annoy Manchester. Yeah, so so that was part of it. So um, which is the, which is incredible how well. It, and at the time, he wasn't the player he is now. Everyone knew he had a high ceiling, but actually, he was kind of in the doldrums all week. But I remember, you know, I was there, and everyone was looking around, going, Liam, first pick, Liam yeah. Livingston. It it's was, aged it was incredibly a, well. He of course has it the, ever. The reason that um, Manchester was it, was picked that Villas... After, was, say, was, was, was Dave Villas... Uh, the reason that they picked Villas was because they'd penciled him in at a slightly lower band, but because Livingston went immediately before, um, they, they had him as the second pick and then couldn't pick him because Birmingham had got in there first. So it was a bit, yeah, a sort of magical bit of game theory. Looking looking back on it, um, and he was. Does it he show was that the... the Tory is actually a genius? <laughs> he yeah. just needed the magic for all those... The magic all... of Birmingham to wake him. That's all it needed. <laughs> all, all he needed was sort of eighty odd T Twenty defeats across four different franchises, and suddenly it's clicked. Yeah, those, those twenty fewer balls are absolutely <laughs> nailed. I think it was the magic of the ball ring that has done it for him. But yeah, it is amazing how it's worked out, and, and actually. I mean, again, whether this is fortune or... It's a bit of both, actually. A bit of skill, a bit of fortune. Chris Benjamin, I mean, that is... An, yeah. I know we've talked about this before, but it is an incredible story. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Will Smead as well. Will Smead came in as an injury replacement for Henry Brooks, which is, you know, not exactly like for like your sort of 90-mile-an-hour tear-away versus uh, 19-year-old top-order batter. But yeah, he's just been... Seemingly been given complete freedom to go and play his shots, and um, you know uh, Somerset fans will tell you in the blast that he's he's quite a different player. He's actually sort of a, a been almost doing the doing the dirty work at number three and knocking it about to a certain extent in the blast. But yeah, he's coming in the power play and just absolutely blitzed it, um, which is yeah pretty remarkable, I think. Yeah, it really has. The, the, the worry looking forward is what happens to. I mean, that Somerset production line is crazy. I. 
I actually asked Vic Marks this the other day. So Vic Marks joined Somerset the same day as Viv and Ian, both of them. That's, that's quite a day for a club, isn't it? <laughs> to have three fantastic cricketers like that join. And I think the current crop is better. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying any of them are going to be as good as those a couple of those guys. But the fact that there are so many of them, I mean, they just keep producing them. Nearly all privately educated, of course, from the schools in the area. But it is amazing for a club to have so much talent. And the worry, I suppose, is what happens to clubs like Somerset? Because I'm not at all optimistic. Of course I'm not, because I'm a a very, very miserable person. But uh, I think we'll see these clubs sidelined. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, we can talk about climate it, change is going to leave us underwater in a decade well, not, or two. So not, not probably Taunton. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> which 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 of the grounds closest? I can imagine Hove's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Edgbaston is the end, highest. Yeah. I think Edgbaston's the highest ground, isn't it? Is it? Well, p- perfect. The, the the new kingdom of uh, uh, hundred ball cricket. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the future. High speed oh, too will be useful. It'll take us to the seaside. <laughs> I was going to say, um, actually, George, Birmingham's success. You you just described Birmingham as a bit of a swing state in in this. Yeah. I think on on previous pods. And um, the men's team, uh, you know, cruising into the final. The women's team somehow snuck into the eliminator, uh, having, I think, won one of five uh, in the first half of the tournament. Um, They've managed to get on a bit of a roll. Uh, and they're we'll a play. fun team to watch too, aren't they? So, a really good example. <clears throat> Izzy Wong has she had a good tournament tonight? She doesn't take many wickets, does she? <laughs> one uh, or two. Yet, she took a key one the other day. Uh, Lauren Winfield Hill up at Headingley. I bet but she yes, hasn't not taken. Many. I bet she hasn't taken six. Uh, maybe, maybe she has. But uh, uh, it's if you're thinking of people to sum up the women's competition, the, the, the faces mm. of it, she would be one of them. Yeah, yeah, and the hair. Or uh, ma- hair ma- now, maybe but... <laughs> uh, Lauren Bell as well. But um, uh, who uh, who probably has taken ten or twelve or so wickets? She'd be right up there, wouldn't she, Matt? But yeah, but she's, yeah. There, there is a problem with the fact that pace is very often a disadvantage in the women's game, and that is a it is a fundamental problem uh, because of all the bowlers, there's almost no bowler you'd rather watch in women's cricket, is there, than Izzy One? Yeah, she's great. Absolutely, uh, uh, yeah. Again, the word box office. But uh, you can imagine a coach leaving her out because actually she doesn't take that many wickets and it's easier to score off pace. And that would be such a shame, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I suppose that uh, at the top end there are there's one or two, isn't there? That um, you know, Brunt is still sort of seventy miles an hour. Shab- Shabnam Ismail, Ishmael. So. Um, yeah, fingers crossed. We we definitely want more of that sort of thing. Even if occasionally, uh, I mean, I, I did see one one get taken out of the attack for uh, mm. bowling bowling beamers, but <laughs> she, no, yeah. she was very unlucky. I thought. I think I covered that game. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. One of them was a slower one, wasn't it? That probably was oh, dipping. They were, and... If they were over, I mean, look, it's not the umpire's fault. They were probably they were certainly borderline, but yeah. beamers beamers sounds like such a pejorative word, doesn't it? it sounds like <laughs> she's she's been a monster. Uh, and she made a fractional uh, error twice and, and yeah. you're out of the attack. I saw Chris Wokes doing it at Edgbaston years ago, you know. I mean, it does happen to even Chris Wokes, you know. <laughs> Lovely, nice Chris Wokes. Yeah, he definitely uh, wasn't uh, bowling beamers. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, no, well, but so Birmingham, uh, uh, Birmingham are uh, the unexpected... Uh, um, 
contenders, uh, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Matt, you, uh, I'm going to have to bring up Trent Rockets on the women's side. I think you tipped them. Mm. Um, haven't haven't made it to the to the knockout stage. Um, that is uh, Invincibles over the Invincibles versus um, the Phoenix is the eliminator there. Uh, the Rockets did make it through on the men's side. Um, despite a little bit of a wobble mid-talk, mid-campaign, um, and they will play uh, Southern Brave, who uh, who you've sort of long championed as as you know looking good uh, in the men's draw, and and Jai Warner's sort of pulled it out of the fire for you there. It seems. Yeah, Jai Warden has done his usual Mumbai season where they lose the first two. I, I interviewed him a, a week or so ago, and he said he'd actually sort of had a bit of a, a laugh with the the team after the first game, and said, you know, you've kept up my. Uh, my zero percent record in the first game of every tournament I've ever coached in, which I thought was, um, it, you know, it was probably quite funny at the time, but maybe less funny after they then lost their second game out of an eight-match <laughs> group stage and needed to win all five to get through um, <laughs> for the rest of the comp. But yeah, to be fair, they've they've pulled it out of the bag, and I, I mean, I think um, it's quite interesting that the after that first draft, everyone looked at them and thought, well, they've got this amazing pace attack, which will definitely win it for them. And Mills, Jordan. And then at the time, Archer and Russell, obviously Archer and Russell haven't mm. um, haven't played a game between them. Um, and Jordan and Mills have been great, but the, the sort of star with the ball has been Jake Lintott, who's just been such a great story over the past um, 18 months or so from first getting a chance with um, uh, Birmingham Bears or Warwickshire in the, in the no, blast no, hey, last f- summer. F- first got a chance, but um, pretending to be, oh Lord, go to England Nets. Yes, yeah, as as the the cool deep Yadav impersonator. That was right. uh, cool deep, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, he, <laughs> um, he was. That that's how he did. And, and when he turned up to England Nets, he was a big fat lad, to be honest. Yeah, uh, uh, obviously with this nice talent, but you could kind of see why people wouldn't take a punt on him. And he's, yeah, he's transformed he, himself. Yeah, he's, he shed a load of weight during lockdown. He said he basically he was at the point where I think he was he was sort of speaking to Warwickshire at the time at the start of lockdown because he'd had quite a good second eleven season. I think I think it was would have been Ian Westwood would have been pushing him quite hard, and I think Graham Welch as well. Um, but yeah, he basically said that he was sort of on the cusp of signing, and obviously it all got um, kicked down the <coughs> road because of COVID. But he he said to himself that he needed to. Uh, to basically tick a box and stop people having another excuse not to not to give him a chance because he's, he was at the stage of his life. I think he was turning 27, it would have been, at, at the time where, you know, um, he, he, if he was ever going to make it, it was going to be then. Um, so, yeah, he shed a load of weight, took a load of wickets in the blast last year, got his contract at the start of this year, having, uh, you know, he's still juggling his job at um, Queen's College yeah. in Taunton. Um, said he's not had a day off since April and then yeah has another amazing blast um, gets picked up as the the Braves wild card um, missed the first game because they didn't pick him and then threw him in for the second and he's their leading wicket taker and I think he's got him he just got himself a gig in the CPL as well um, playing for Barbados which I'm sure will be be pretty tough out in St Kitts for him uh, it's lovely of, he could give up the day job can't he yeah yeah basically that's because he could end up at the maybe not the IPL but but you know the B, but yeah the big bash he could easily get a kick yeah. there actually probably everywhere but the IPL actually now I think about it but uh, you know he's it's, it's a lovely story it's a uh, you know, you can't, yeah, so, even better story than Chris Benjamin, I guess, because Chris Benjamin had the sort of cockiness of youth to think, oh, I'll go there, I'll have a trial, I'll make it. Uh, but, you know, Lintop being, yeah, getting on in his 20s, it's the stage where people didn't used to get signed. Uh, and, uh, you know, he played a championship game as well. So, mm, yeah. It, um, not, not positively got a wicket. Was that this summer? Yeah, he played, he played yeah. at New Road. 
you. Good, good luck to you uh, as a as a bowler of anything. There, I think it's. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I mean there, there have been uh, the, the hundred has thrown up names like that, hasn't it? Th- throughout, um, I mean, uh, Izzy Wong was wasn't an unknown at all, but um, yeah, Lauren Bell, Eve Jones has been quite a, a, a story at the uh, at the Phoenix. Um, so yeah, uh, well, I mean, George, you referred earlier to the fact that you, you think the good guys have lost here. Um, I mean, does that? <laughs> Does that mean we chalk the hundred up as a as a qualified success? I suppose it depends on your perspective on these things. That it's still still the finals day to come. Still the uh, you know the the um, final exclamation point to be added. But um, I don't after know. I, I I don't know. Thirty two I mean, group I, games. I I, I you know <laughs> a, a yes or no would be a simplistic answer, wouldn't it? Because uh, in terms of whether the tournament has worked as a sort of cricketing format, yes categorically yes in terms of whether it's good been good for the women's game yes categorically yes well those are two pretty big yeses aren't they but uh, has there been massive collateral damage categorically yes uh and 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 i don't want we don't need to revisit that do we that debate so has it been worthwhile i I don't know it's going to change the character of english cricket forever um i honestly think it will see the end of the 18 county system a lot of people think that's a good thing that's 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 reasonable. I don't. So uh, I would still uh, scrap it now. Absolutely, I would. Don't think it's achieved anything that a well-resourced T20 competition couldn't have done. Slightly adapted T20 competition. But uh, has it attracted people? Has it attracted a slightly different audience sometimes? Has it um, gained some interest from being on free-to-air? Yeah. But cricket would because cricket's <clears throat> really, really good. <laughs> so, so I, I, I'm trying to be honest and objective there. People will perhaps know that uh, I'm not a fan of the tournament in general terms, but you know, I, I've enjoyed watching it. Uh, I think the standard has been quite high. I don't think it's necessarily been as high as the commentators have told us at times, but that's okay. Um, uh, so, I, yeah, I can't give you a yes/no, but the fact that I can't say. It's been an unmitigated disaster. Maybe tells you something. And, and yeah, no doubt the ECB will report that it's been a rip roaring success. I've got no doubt they will, and they'll bombard us with uh, figures which are misleading, and they won't bother to tell us about the collateral damage. And, and make no bones about it, the collateral damage is vast. Yeah, maybe Luke Fletcher bowling to Adam Rossington wasn't quite what was uh, envisaged at uh, the concept of the tournament. But um, yeah, Matt, it was in- interesting in the week. Um, where are we now? I think last week, in fact. But uh, kind of Mike Atherton, who who uh, works for Sky, uh, obviously uh, his Times uh, cricket correspondent, wrote a-, a piece where he said many similar things to George there. Basically said that, this isn't going to work again. You know, four formats, um, the amount of time that's being afforded to to um, the various disciplines in the game. I mean, England's test troubles, we, we've gone into at great length uh, and the fact there's no championship cricket pretty much through um, July and August. Um, 
what 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 you know just in uh in a as concise a form as possible you know what is the solution here the 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 hundred isn't going anywhere you would think um uh, despite george's suggestion it it be cancelled um there there is various talk uh about playing the championship at the same time uh, i suppose as 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 opposed to the royal london cup which we haven't had a chance to go into but is ongoing (laughs) and um, reaches its climax today uh I, i mean whatever your sort of partisan view or whichever side of the fence you sit on there are no easy answers here are there and, and which gives you a get out there <laughs> yeah i mean there's, there's, there's the debate over scheduling this winter is going to be um so so tricky there's so many things that are undecided more than i can remember in terms of you know that, that first of all we don't know what format the championship's going to be in next year um or how well the conference system has or hasn't worked and I think um, I think it definitely has some merits but I think in terms of um, the England angle of preparing players for Test cricket I think Division 1 is important as a as a concept and secondly I think that um, the sort of pretty much prize money games at the end of this season for the counties who aren't in the top division uh, in September are going to be pretty poor spectacles in all likelihood um, I think there's. I, I personally wouldn't want to play the championship simultaneously with the hundred because I, as George, I think has said that basically means it's it becomes second eleven cricket, um, and I don't think that's the point. And I think there's um, merit in teams becoming county champions, and I think there's merit in the county championship itself. And I think you lose that if you um, play it alongside the hundred. But equally, um, yeah, it's clearly not ideal to have the, the Royal London Cup running alongside it. Um, I think you know. Well, one of the fundamental problems is there's too much cricket. Um, I think there's probably a case that will be made uh, in the not too distant future that the best thing to do would be to have a, a sort of completely isolated block for the hundred, whereby there was no first team county cricket running alongside it. But I think to do that, you'd have to squeeze the hundred smaller rather than make it bigger, which is probably not the direction of travel that the ECB would envisage for it. Um, and yeah, I think. Basically, as you say, there's no easy answers. I think it's a bit of a mess. Um, and yeah, I don't foresee whatever the, the changes that are made for next year. I think there will be, um, you know, completely reasonable drawbacks from it, um, regardless what the intentions are. So, um, yeah, basically, I think it's a it's a very difficult um, set of decisions to be made over the winter. <laughs> Tune in to future episodes for uh, this discussion <laughs> in various different forms. Um, okay, look, I just, 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 just on that, I, I just think that it, wouldn't it be not, wouldn't it be helpful not to play in Windows? Uh, I know that there are benefits of Windows. Um, uh, so, so to explain that to people, sorry, that's terminology, isn't it? Um, at the moment, we play our championship cricket in a window at the start of the season for, say, eight weeks or something, and then we play white ball T20 cricket in a window, mainly anyway, and then the 100 in a sort of six-week window or whatever it's been, uh, when supposedly very little else happens, although the 50-over tournament did. So I would argue that uh, playing the premier white ball competition, be it 20-over or... 100 ball on the Friday night with local variations idea was still the way to go. Um, it could be Saturday afternoons, Sunday afternoons as well. Uh, and then you you fit the championship in around that, so the championship might start on Monday. Now, it's not ideal, but I, I think that's the way to go with that, yeah, to be honest. That's the only way you'll get uh, in our pathetically short summer, uh get sort of uh, the priorities uh, mixed between the two but i think what will happen 
is there'll be uh, an ever sort of increasing acceptance that there's too much cricket and, oh, you know, there are too many counties and the 18-county system does not get out of this alive. They, they, they might be in some format or other. You know, there'll always be cricket played at New Road, I guess, for example. But it'll be semi-pro. And they'll do it by adding. To, it's much easier to add than cut. So they'll add to their current 100 sides. So, you know, Bristol and Durham will join when they become 100 sides. So then you've got 10. And by the time you've got 12, you only need 12 votes for, of the first-class counties to change anything, really, at this stage. So then it becomes a real fight for those bottom six. And that's what will happen. The, the six counties are in real, real trouble in terms of their long-term viability. Yeah, they may play a bit of first-class game. They'll, they'll be like the national counties are now. They'll be semi-pro. Well, that most of those aren't even that, of course. But I think that that's, that's the future direction of travel. I'd be amazed if it wasn't. And I've actually thought that ever since the vote. Uh, was it in 2016 or 17? Uh, I think everything's been inevitable since then, to be honest. There we go. The brave new world. You heard it here first. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, look, it is, it is new and it is brave and, and, and maybe we'll adapt to it. And maybe, you know, I think it's a shame and I think it's unnecessary. But we are where we are, and, you know, life changes. Like, yeah, sometimes you have to keep up or you just get left behind. Uh, well, on the plus side, I won't ask either of you for your predictions for the Royal London Cup final uh, for this afternoon. I think uh, I think that will do us for another day on the treadmill of English cricket. The white ball diet is as popular as ever, although England are now losing tests and gaining formats. You wonder when that's going to start to tip the scales. Anyway, the India series rumbles on to Leeds and we'll be back soon to pick up the pieces. Until then, my thanks to George and Matt and to you all for tuning in to the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com.